This episode of the podcast is sponsored by David Shapiro, Remax Around Atlanta Realty. David Shapiro, Remax Around Atlanta Realty. Uh, he knows inside the perimeter, outside the perimeter. Uh, tonight, we had on Kyle Miller of Zero Mile, an awesome conversation about the business behind the concerts we go to and all of the things that go uh, in between those uh, lines. Uh, excited to share it with you. Roll the motherfucking tape. All right, three, two, one. Welcome back into Indie B&B. Today we have a little bit of a change-up. Uh, somebody who's a little bit more behind the scenes, but but still involved in the indie music community, uh, Kyle Miller of Zero Mile. We got hooked up with you through Nick uh, Carpenter of That Is Medium Build. And Kyle, you know, how's it going today? You know, how has your year been? Are we excited for Thanksgiving. Dude, uh, first of all, thanks for having me uh so stoked to be here and uh yeah man it's been a great day i'm working a show right now covering one of my like smaller 300 cap shows i booked down at uh vinyl at uh in midtown and uh so stoked for thanksgiving and stoked to have like three or four days off of work yeah it's gonna be huge it's gonna be huge well obviously you know i mentioned zero mile a big you know production company but i really want to you know if you can break it down for us what is Zero Mile? Where does it play a role in, you know, the venues that we go to around here in Atlanta? And, and if you can give me a, just a zoom out overview, that'd be awesome to kind of for, for us to get going and understand a little bit. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so Zero Mile is, a, you know, we're a promoter. We're, uh, you know, a, produ- a promotions company. Um, we own a few venues here in Atlanta. We own Terminal West, Variety Playhouse in the Eastern. And then over in Athens, we own the Georgia Theater. And, uh, you know, real meat and potatoes of it, we book shows at these venues and then we, you know, promote them and try to make money off of them, you know, whether it's from the door or some of the ticket fees or, you know, off of bar sales since we own the venues. And uh, I like, I personally work on the, the talent buying side of it. So me and a couple other colleagues do all the, all the buying for all the venues. And then, you know, we have a, a ticketing team that does all that and a big marketing team that just handles all, all the you know, marketing from announced to, you know, day of show, making sure that people know that the show exists and buy tickets to it. Beautiful. So you guys got kind of a three, three headed monster, the ticketing, you got talent buying and we got the actual promotion and marketing. So yeah, that's like the, you know, the real zoomed out, but then there's like, you know, even deeper there's, since we own the venues, we have, you know, the, the venue staff and all those people that we work super closely with and just on like, budgeting and how much it costs to run a show and, you know, budget goals for the year and all that good stuff. And that's just when it gets real, real grimy and people's eyes start, you know, rolling in the back of their head. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll stick off the budgets tonight, but uh, I do want to understand, you know, for you as a talent buyer and, and, you know, Nick, of course, Medium Build had given us a little bit of background. You, you had worked in New York as well. And you were in the same capacity. Is that how you kind of got started or like, how did you get into this specific role? Uh, so, I mean, when I was in New York, uh, I was working at paradigm talent agency. So I was working as a, an agency assistant, um, for an agent who did, uh, like mostly EDM electronic stuff. Uh, not as much my wheelhouse, but you know, it's essentially the same, different side of the same coin, you know, when you're on the agency side, you're, you know, representing the artists and, mm-hmm. you know, selling the artists to the venue. And now being a, a talent buyer, I'm, you know, representing the venues and trying to, you know, I negotiate with the agents every day and, you know, try to 
come to some deal terms to you know book book the artists in in my particular rooms wow okay now you know obviously you've, you've been on both sides of it like what are you know i guess what are some of the best deal like what are some of the hardest negotiations and, and what are what are some of those terms that end up getting to be like the either the thing that gets it through or the thing that holds it up like what are what are those terms end up being the rider or is it like what, what no. is it it's all about money you know it's all about money and, and at the end of the day you know like at least with Terminal West, you know, my main competitors in, in that like capacity space in Atlanta are like Masquerade Hell and, you know, the Loft at Center Stage. Both of them are like 600 capacity rooms. And, you know, it's a lot about the relationships that you have with the agents. You know, sometimes even if you're not the, you know, the room that's offering the most money on a particular artist, you know, the agent might have a better relationship with you and want to, you know, stick with, stick, show with you and work up the artist in, in your venue system. Or, you know, some agents are, you know, don't really bank on the relationship as much and it's just not, you know I'm, I'm bidding on these artists and how much I think they're worth and yeah. you know at what point do I need to tap out and say hey I, I can't make money on the show at this point uh let let the competitor take it interesting interesting so of those people who you have relationships with like you know how did those form of those form just by you know you book a show and they've kind of like grown up like I like that grown up kind of mentality so talk more about that like who is somebody you've you've seen recently that you booked early at Terminal West that has grown up to the Eastern or grown up to these other venues? Yeah. So, I mean, even smaller than, than Terminal West, like what I'm doing exactly right now is, you know, I don't have a 300 capacity room that, that Zero Mile owns. And, yeah. you know, there's some of those throughout town, like Aisle 5 and Smithsville Bar and the Earl and Vinyl and Purgatory. Um, and I'll sometimes go do shows at those rooms for artists that I'm like particularly passionate about or have a good relationship with the agent and, you know, want to start developing these artists even before they're ready for a Terminal West play. Um, and some of those artists that we've even started in the 300 cap space, you know, we, we did Faye Webster's first, you know, true headline show at the Earl like four years wow. ago. And she just sold out two nights of variety playoffs this past weekend. Um, you know, Omar Apollo, who we just had at the Eastern last week as well. Uh, we had him from Terminal West up to variety up to the Eastern, which, you know, it's one of the, one of our first artists, since the Eastern is such a new room that's, you know, that's truly played and sold out all three of our, you know, our owned and operated rooms here in town. But it's, it's one of the most fun parts about the job is, you know, you kind of like develop the, this history with these artists that you, especially if you're early on, like early investor in the, in the, in the artists themselves, so you kind of get to be there on the ground level and at least locally help them grow their audience and, you know, hopefully see it through to, you know, whatever whatever room they ultimately you know can sell out sure yeah um one of the things you said there like so you'll do like if if i'm you know if i'm an artist who and i know you i come to you and say hey man i want to sell it i want to do a 300 person room but i know you don't have one like do you recommend me to that room or do you help promote my my show to smithsville bar or just do what you whatever you're doing right now like how does that work yeah so it goes both ways you know sometimes like if it's a local band or, you know, an artist that's really, really, it's got some time before they're ready to play Terminal West, you know, sometimes I'll reach out to the venue. I might reach out to Dan Nolan at, at Smithville Bar and be like, hey, Dan, sure. like, this artist is a little, a little early for me to be working on. You know, if you want to take the first couple shows, would, would gladly kind of uh, steer the agent towards your room. And then when it's ready for them to play Terminal West, I'll kind of scoop in there and, you know, and start working from there. But 
um, you know, like the show tonight, I, I booked, I'm here at the venue. I bought the hospitality for the band. I'm paying them at the end of the night. So this one is one of my shows that, yeah. um, I was like, okay, yeah, this, let's, let's get in early on this one. And, uh, um, this one is one of our shows. Cool. Cool. Now, like, I love I love the idea of like them growing up in the venue. I think one of the people that I've seen do this, obviously a local band that we've talked to, the Hedonistas, like they have tremendously grown up. Obviously, Jake worked at Terminal West, so he's got a relationship there. And yeah. and um, you know, so talk to me about like you know when you get somebody like that who they they have this band, they start getting momentum, they play four twenty fest. Like, at what moment did you go to Jake and we're like? Hey man, uh, I think we want you to headline at T West for us for you know this this festival or that festival or this you know show. Like, how was that moment? Yeah, I mean, like this is is a is just a funny and kind of a special one, just because you know, like you said, Jake was was a bartender at, at Terminal West for for so many years, and I think that one in particular, you know, we we saw them selling out Aisle Five and some other you know some mm -hmm. other smaller rooms around town. And, you know, building that momentum and, and they're just like their online presence is, is so funny and so witty. And, you know, I think that like, I can't remember when we first did the, did the first Hedonista show. I feel like it was back in like 2019, maybe 2020, right before COVID. Um, but yeah, it was like, hey, we let's take a swing on this. You know, you're never you're never going to know with exact certainty, like if someone's really ready to play Terminal West. But, you know, from like what we saw, we're like, hey, this is like one that's close to home for us because jake is it was you know it's been at, it was at terminal west for so like five or six years yeah like you know if there was ever a time to take a swing on this you know let's do it we have a date open and we need an extra show and let's give it a swing and you know i think the past couple that we've done have done you know stronger than we expected and those kids show up and drink too which is always good for business yeah man i tell you what i was one of those kids that showed up last year uh and you know i uh i would say that i had a, had a full day before i went to the uh the t west uh, i believe it was the saturday after thanksgiving um or friday night either one i think it was friday night last year uh, before thanksgiving. you were showing up cooked oh yeah man i was i was done um but it was hey i had fun i drank a shitload at the show i hey i, I came in i was a patron you know that's the the beauty of it um and yeah so, and like, you know we didn't have I think they wanted to do the Saturday after Thanksgiving or the Friday after Thanksgiving again this year, but I had already booked something else and I pitched them. I was like, Hey, let's do like two days before Christmas. You know, it's a time when like, oh. especially them, like they have a bunch of local fans or, you know, uh, fans who live elsewhere, but come back to Atlanta that they call home around the holidays. Yep. Like same thing you're saying, you know, you'll probably be at home drinking with the family and be like, I need to get away from them. Like, let's go to a Keaton Easter show December 23rd. So I was like, yeah, it's, it's it's a fun one yeah i mean i i am big big fan of those guys obviously they've, they've come on the pod here they were they were one of the early early on people on the pod um with us yeah, you, guys, so. you guys have had some cool i was looking back through the catalog i was i mean just noticing some names here and there i was like you guys are getting the the fun young artists that you know i'm friends and fans of so you know seeing girl poppy and medium build and cc coakley and um i think liz, was liz longley on here too uh liz lawrence she's uh liz lawrence she's from she's from europe so there's we we got a big reach we, we we'd love to we'd love to help help get some people in i know i know that uh it's all about relationships and getting people over to you know the right place and it sounds like you you know getting people to the right place is is you know your expertise so i'm gonna be i might be sending you some people you know hopefully hopefully here soon if i if, if of just you know where we can point them in the right direction but um sure, sure. 
But, you know, some of those people like that, like, you know, how do you find them? You know, obviously you're kind of in the scene, you're going to, you're probably going to a ton of shows or you're listening to Spotify. Like, I don't know, what, what is your process to find them? And then like, what are the key components to somebody being like, all right, they're X amount of followers over and we've looked at their social media. We think they're good. Like what are those factors that play into somebody being like, all right, they're ready for terminal West uh, or they're a variety artist or they're a Eastern artist. Like what, how do you determine those things? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, backing up a little bit, you know, at least like as far as artist discovery goes, it just comes in, in so many ways, you know, like, you know, it could be even just finding someone on a, you know, on a, on your discover weekly and it, kind of hitting your ear in a way that, you know, makes you notice it and just getting curious and digging into it a little bit more. And, you know, with CC and, you know, and, and Nick and, you know, some of the, some of those other folks, you know, a lot of it's like having friends in the industry that, you know, are, you know, are hearing things or hearing early demos that aren't released yet and are like kind of whispering about it. And, you know, just like we're the industry so small in reality, you know, it's, it's, everyone kind of knows everyone. So word gets around fast. And as soon as there's kind of yeah. any sort of heat or any buzz on anyone, it, it kind of that word gets around quick, even if it like hasn't really translated into big mainstream stream success yet. Um, sure. It's always fun. It always just keeps, keeps the everyday a little interesting. Um, as far as like trying to understand how many tickets an artist is going to sell or like what room they're they're ready to play whether it's a terminal west or you know if, if i think that they're bigger than a terminal west and ready for variety it's it's really tough you know it's like instagram followers don't mean they're going to sell tickets and the same same way that like you know spotify monthly listeners don't mean that those people are going to file you know buy tickets either i feel like it's like a lot about engagement you know there's so many like playlists these days where people will just kind of you know spotify curated playlists well they're all just like listen to artists in the background and that will count as a monthly listener but those people really aren't yeah. engaging with that with that artist so trying to get like a grasp on how big the you know the listenership is and like of those people how many people are like actively engaged buying merch you know following them on instagram it's, it's a combination of everything and you know a lot of it really comes down to just having a really good network of other, you know, talent buyers that I know throughout the country and kind yeah. of leaning on them in a lot of ways to like, just understand whether this art, you know, if any artist has played, you know, Columbus, Ohio, I can call my, my bud Britain and be like, Hey, Britain, like how many tickets did the sell? What was the crowd? Like, do you think they're going to come back for the next show? And just like, just get, just gauging a temperature on any artist. It just, you know, some of them are slam dunks and pretty quick to figure out that they're huge and others require a lot more, you know, research and, and, uh, just effort to try to, to dig up what you're looking for. Gotcha. Awesome. Back, like, you know, do you get like, again, I'm in, I'm in sales. So now I'm like discovery trying to figure out, okay, how, how would I, I guess if I'm you know, trying to sell an artist to you, you know, what are, what are some of the metrics, I guess, like I can tell you to be like that, that'll like, knock your socks off like hey we sold 50 t-shirts or we sold you know hey here's how many tickets we sold at our last show that's kind of like a similar place than atlanta like what are some of the cities you look at that are like all right if we sold out nashville they're gonna sell atlanta out really really hard like obviously it's not exact science but yeah yeah, yeah. it's funny every like every agent kind of just has a different style to begin with you know yeah. some agents 
are so cryptic and short an email and they don't give you any context to the artist They're like hey look into book alden on you know march 13th give me give me a hold and give me an offer and i'm like who the fuck is alden <laughs> and uh that's why i have to do some deep diving you know but like the most you know the most solid metrics that any agent can send me is like you know hey we just did 500 tickets in nashville or we just did 500 tickets in in dallas um at least you know demographically and geographically i feel like i use dallas as as a pretty similar market to compare atlanta to just yeah. you know they have a good you know hip-hop and r&b scene they kind of get that and you know they're not as strong and like the you know the jam and kind of heady electronic stuff but country is is you know it's pretty popular like it is in atlanta so it's you know i use that as a as a comparison pretty often yeah um but yeah i mean as far as like getting an immediate understanding of what an artist is worth like you know hard ticket sales is is is, is gold but a lot of times agents will keep that pretty close to the chest because you know sometimes if there are some like unfavorable finals you know ticket sales in there they'll like definitely try to hide those and hope that you don't do your research and you know and dig those up but that's not to say that a lot of times if they're trying to hide those ticket sales from you it might be because it's like an up you know an up-and-coming artist and mm -hmm. those ticket sales maybe not might maybe might not be like representative of where they are now so sure so like for a band like Hedonesis, who's got a heavy populate, you know, heavy following here in Atlanta, but they would probably play an equivalent or of like aisle five or Smithsville bar, maybe in some other town, like, you know, when, when people call you about them, like, do you, you, do you make sure that like, Hey, like you recommend you, you will put them in the right path in order for them to be successful in that city. Or like, you know, obviously we, Hedonistas doesn't matter who it is. Like, yeah. Um, you know, what, what does that look like? I mean, I think like, first of all, it's just like, you know, even like getting hard to, you know, getting ticket sales from another market, it's, it's so important just to like understand even like the context of yeah. those sales, you know, whether that means like, was this on a Monday or was this on a Saturday? Yeah. You know, is this an artist that has roots in the area? You know, like going back to Columbus, you know, there's a lot of bands that I'll see like some hardcore bands that do really well in Columbus and uh, I'll call up Britain and be like, Hey, what's the deal with this? Like, why is this, why is this doing so well? Is this something to pay attention to? He's like, no, like the new drummer is from, is from Columbus or is from the Midwest. Yeah. I went to college here and, you know, just not to say that that band won't like sell some tickets in Atlanta, but it's just like, again, just understanding the full, like, you know, the full context of, of anything that you're seeing. Sure. Um, but you know, like he Nisa is just going back to that, like, yeah, they're playing Terminal West here and they would probably play, like you said, like a, a smaller, 200 300 cap room and other rooms but like i think i can be like hey this band is special they have something you know talking to whether it's a, a top buyer in nashville or somewhere else in the region and just be like hey yeah like i know this band hasn't played in nashville before and you should like maybe be a little bit conservative on the deal and just make sure that you're not gonna lose money on it but like this band's got something and you should invest in them now and invest in them early you know? yeah I love that. I love that. You, you have that, you know, the ability to like, you know, you're not making or breaking, but you're, you can definitely give recommendations to get them, you know, get their foot in the door in a lot of places. And that's, that's awesome to, you know, be able to see from both sides. Um, and within like, uh, and what was I going to ask about? Like going like somebody who's, uh, oh man, I'm losing my, losing my train of thought here. God, I just got so many questions. All right. <laughs> 
So, oh, like I want to get back to Alves. So I went to Alves on Monday night. They absolutely sold out. It was unreal. I don't know if you booked that or whoever booked that did a fantastic yeah. job. But like slow pulp and always, you know, always, you know, a band from Canada selling out Atlanta on a Monday. Like, I mean, it seems like that is exactly the the like just boom, we freaking nailed it here. Um, like how did that, co- like, how does that come to be? Like, I mean, obviously they, you, you look, do you look at like when they last played Atlanta? Cause yeah, or- totally. It's like one of the, it's one of the first things I look at and just like understanding if an art, if this is an artist's first time in Atlanta or, you know, when the last time that they played was and how long ago it was, you know, a band like all always, um, you know, I kind of just think that they have a cult following and even I think the last time they played Atlanta we, we sold out Terminal West but it was it was kind of a slow trickle to get to a sellout of Terminal West but we all kind of felt that that band had kind of established this cult following of an audience and that like there were newer and younger ears that were starting to discover that music and so we felt super confident putting on it at Friday Playhouse and but we weren't sure you never know like if it's going to sell out like that or if it's going to you know kind of like I said trickle trickle to you know sell out or close to sell out and that one just I think sold out in a day and we were just like whoa this is there's something going on here and, and you know the new record was incredible and having slow pulp on the package definitely doesn't hurt the show because the band's incredible in their own right yeah I mean I think you know one of, I, I loved I was like I walked there I, I drove in and like I drove in I parked behind the Mexican restaurant and I'm like walking in and they're like asking me to I'm, I'm going to yacht club before the show and like they're asking me to get my wristband beforehand and i'm like why and like i go look and like the lines like down the street and i'm like it's monday but what is going here going on here so yeah, where 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 did you watch the show were you in the pit um uh, well i had an i had just recently had knee surgery so i was up top um i was up in the up in the balcony and then somebody broke the social contract of everybody sitting in the balcony so oh. they stood up. So I, I was standing up up top of the balcony. But uh, oh, yeah, it was an awesome, awesome experience. Um, I've watched many shows from the pit, though. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like fruit bats. Oh, yeah. you know. I, I admittedly am, am typically pretty bad about getting to shows early and seeing the opening act. You know, if there's if it's something that I've heard about or, you know, if someone else tipped me off, like, yo, you got to get here early and check out this band, then yeah. I always normally will. But like that was and. Normally when I go to Variety, I'll watch it in one of those corrals on the sides or walk, we'll kind of watch yeah. it from that little, um, that back bar that overlooks the, over the, sure. the house. But that was one of the first shows in a while that like I, I got there 15 minutes after doors, got down in the pit, kind of locked down my, my area. I was like, I need to be front and center for this. And yep. I had never seen Slow Pole play before. And I, I missed them the last time they played the Earl, I think like six, seven months ago. So was uh especially excited for that one and they just crushed it yeah i mean i'm uh i I always am always interested like how do y'all determine whether the like you're gonna have chairs or not so like for fruit bats for example you had chairs just on the sides yeah Uh, i went to a lucia show probably two to three years ago you had chairs out front um instead you know chairs out front in the pit um so like you know what what is, what is goes into that like and whether y'all are gonna sell different ticket prices ticket things or what, what's the deal there? Yeah, it's it's really like all a conversation with the agent, you know, and uh, sometimes the agent has direction is like, hey, you know, this is kind of what we want to do. We want to do more of an intimate acoustic show. We want to throw down you know, seats and all of Roddy Playhouse. But you know, sometimes it's 
us understanding the demographic of the artist and you know saying like hey like fruit bats you know while they do have a younger audience you know they're you know they have some more like older you know contemporary sure. folk bands that they they'll pay extra for seats and you know so especially that that like reserved main section right there on the uh, on the first floor kind of those permanent seats you know like we if the agent's fighting us on on money and they're like hey we need we need three thousand more dollars on the front end for the guarantee, and we're like, okay, like we have to kind of uh, assess how much, you know, where we're gonna get that money from. And a lot of times, it's us charging more for those seats, and you know, mm -hmm. trying to understand, like, okay, a fruit bats fan who's a little bit older, they might be like, in their like early to late forties, and they might have a little bit of money. I think like we could maybe charge sixty five dollars for this, and you know, and and not lose a substantial amount of ticket buyers, and. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes like we overprice those seats and nobody buys them. Yeah. And we're like, all right, well, we fucked that one up. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of trial and error, but you know, it's at least for the seats, it's about like understanding the demographic and having that uh conversation with the, with the agent. You know, sometimes also it's because Rowdy Playoffs is like eleven hundred uh capacity, you know, no seats. Um Sometimes, you know, if there's an artist that we're bringing in and we know that they're not going to sell 1,100 tickets, but they're also going to sell more than like, you know, the 650 at, that we could do at Terminal West. You know, if we seat those sides like that, yeah, put the capacity like at a middle ground at like 850, so that suddenly becomes kind of our like stepping stone in between Terminal West and the full capacity of variety. So sure, just it's just playing around with the, with the numbers and, you know, yeah. hoping that works out. You don't need to tell you tell us who the artist was or anything like that, but have you? What is the biggest like loss on a show? Like, was it and and what day was it on? And like, obviously, all those factors probably play. Um, oh, um, it sucks. It's like one of my favorite artists, and, and uh, it was like this this last January, so almost a year ago. It's uh, I'm not gonna say the number that I lost, but it was a Jason Isbell show actually. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, I have a good I have a good relationship with it with his agent Andrew and uh, Colvin. His agent Andrew Colvin came to me and was like, "Hey, we want to add a last minute Jason Isbell show at the Georgia Theater." And he had just sold out like three nights at the Tabernacle, and I was like, "Hell yeah, let's do it!" And he's like, "The date we need is two weeks away from right now," Ooh. and I was like, "Okay." you know, let's take a swing on it. You know, I, I was feeling like a gambling man that day. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Isabel doesn't come cheap. You know, Jason Isabel is, a, you know, a superstar and deserves every dollar that, you know, he's ever, ever, ever gotten. So um, made a big bet on it. And, you know, I think just coming out of the holidays and a, a bunch of different factors and having just played Atlanta, I just didn't sell what it should have. And, you know, that was my first, like, big, big loss. And I was like, losing sleep over it i'm like oh my gosh this is this is so terrifying yeah um but at the end of the day you know just lucky that it wasn't my own money and that i work for a, a promoter that um you know i'm using their money <laughs> sure what um uh now like for example how does the payment work so like just as an artist i come in i'm getting a guarantee and then I, do i get half do i get the uh, do I get part of booze? Do I get, you know, obviously I get whatever merch I sell, but like, 
how does the split work? Um, I know we didn't want to get into budgets too much. No, no, right? no. Yeah. The most common deal is, you know, a guarantee versus 85% after expenses. Um, you know, and that guarantee can be anywhere from, you know, $500 up to $100,000. And it's just, you know, that guarantee is like kind of where I'm setting my expectation for like, okay, I think that this artist is worth this many tickets. I'm going to put the guarantee right here. Um, and if they sell more than that, then, you know, they'll get that back end, as we call it, when they, yeah. once they cover expenses and get into points and that's when they're starting to make more than the guarantee. Um, but yeah, no, no artists get boo sales is kind of something that like every promoter around the country is like taking a, a firm stance on just cause that's like in reality, how we make like all of our money. Yeah. I mean, even like on an Eastern show, we're like, we're making a, a couple bucks at the door, but like, you know, a lot of it's coming from, yeah. From, from bar. What, yeah. um, now who, who are some people that are just clinical over over uh, producers they they always get that back end those back end points um yeah. like i i gotta think that all uh not all this but um wet leg when you had them at that variety i was at that show as well yeah i mean i've never seen more people there and i was shocked that there was like i was like my buddy tash and i who who co-hosts this he's, he's not here tonight because of uh he's got his shoulder but he goes <laughs> dude this should have been at the easter <laughs> i'm like I think it could have been the Eastern as well. Like, yeah, I mean, man, you're calling out my the two shows in the past six months that I've been in the pit for at, at Variety, and it was Wet Leg, and uh, I take it back. I was there. I was in the pit for Waxahachie too, but you know, yeah. Wet Leg, Waxahachie, and uh, and always, always, and you know, Wet Leg, like pretty similar story to to always, but uh, they've never been here. No one knew, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know chase, chase lounge and um and what was the second single they came out and you know people ate them up but we, no one knew if that was going to turn into like real ticket sales and yeah you know <laughs> that show sold out in seconds and uh, we were like jesus christ here's these you know this british band that didn't exist even a, a year ago and we should have moved it up to, to the eastern but you know they wanted to wait till the next time to, to play the eastern i think they were uh some bands will like play a conservative and they want every room to be sold out in every market just so they have that big old poster that shows sold out red X through every, every venue and just says sold out. And, you know, there's, there's like huge value to that. You know, and they probably could have made, made more money if they moved up venues and played the Eastern, but there's like, there's just that, that clout and the flex of having that yeah. uh, every room, every room sold out. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I was blown away, but then, you know, you have, you have a band like that and then you know, they just come out of the, they, you know, just pop up out of nowhere. Like who, who do you, uh, and we'll, we'll ask this later on the Pete Peterson. So just be start thinking about some bands that we might not know that we need to, I need to make sure I'm on the ZM pre-sale for <laughs> and make sure that I'm, I'm on, I'm grinding. Dude, I, I love that you're on the ZM pre-sale that like you, when you and I were texting last night and you said that I got, a, I got a real laugh. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes like, I don't know. It's so easy just to like bury your nose in your laptop and be like, yeah, I know people are going to these shows, but like, you know, who knows if people are actually, you know, noticing the work you're doing and, you know, I do the ZM presale for every show I do. And as a, you know, as the local, the local presale code that we email out to everyone. So I'd like to, to hear it come from someone that I didn't know. I was like, <laughs> it's just 
<laughs> people do hey hey i'm i'm all about the zm free so i i just uh i did it for um i'm coming to uh rainbow kitten on uh december 31st so uh, yeah. you know when you book one, something like that like you know I, i've been to i've been to other ones like that i did i went to um Umphreys, uh with uh at, at the tabernacle a few years ago and they it was like a 30th show so they had a couple of different night run but like when they do a, a run like that like is that all three books separately or is that all hey you get a guarantee for these five these four and then whatever y'all make on the other side of them like let's yeah go. they're they're all bundled into one deal um i don't think i've ever worked on something that had them you know dealed out separately, separately. even like even on something like Rainbow Kitten Surprise um, or Unfreeze, like you're talking about, even if like the New Year's Eve ticket is way more expensive than the 30th and the 29th, we just we can still bundle those all up into one deal and just be able to all look at the math and and one and one little flash instead of breaking them out. Gotcha. Um, but that one was interesting because we, you know, RKS canceled all of those fall dates um, for mental health reasons, and you know. We had that uh, the the New Year's Eve shows booked six seven months ago. I, I can't remember exactly when, but so when they canceled those fall dates, we were kind of left in limbo as to like whether they were going to keep the the New Year's Eve or whether those were getting canceled as well. And I think it was kind of a game time decision from the band whether they thought that they were going to be good to go by then. And you know when those stuck, we you know the whole office was was really excited about it because we know yeah. got three big shows at you know our biggest venue on New Year's Eve. So and especially a band that. Like Rainbow Kitten is another example of a band that we started out at Terminal West. I think we actually even started them like on the Georgia Theater rooftop. Yeah. Earlier. God. Um, yeah, That's... those those rooftops, the Georgia Theater rooftop especially has some like kind of crazy history of some like smaller country artists playing there like 10 years ago before they were worth like anything. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let me tell you one guy I, I I always try to put people on like it's not even somebody who's been on the podcast would love to get him on but 49 Winchester if you I, I'm telling you I was there at the Smith Siswell bar show my buddy who's like the country whisperer he's like he we, we used to, we went to school in Macon and he was like hey man you need to come to the Sturgill shit Sturgill Simpson show and I'm like dude I'm not going to some country show in Macon man like he was playing at the bowl which is our local like the bar that's like this big, you know, whatever. And turns out he's been right about Sturgill. He's he I think he's right about 49. I think he'll end up being massive um eventually. But like, you know, I, I just he he's he I, it's he's incredible. You know, Marty's like I, I can't unbelievable like he but I went to 49 at at Smith's and I was like, man, like this guy's not gonna play this venue like ever again. And yeah, those are the all, shows you're man. That was one of my that was one of my shows too. So thanks for being there. That's like <laughs> it's I I'd kind of like listened to some of your other you know bits and pieces of of other episodes of the podcast, and I knew this was going to be one of the questions. I didn't want to be stumped on like you know who my like you know favorite up and coming artists were. And I'm literally looking at my notes app right now, and 49 Winchester is yeah. the top of my list. Ah, let's go. Well, hey, we'll, we'll, that one. <laughs> uh, hold them, hold them for, hold them for a second, man. That that obviously that that, that feels good for me because I'm like, God, I, I knew we, I need to, I need to m mention that guy. Yeah, they um, just had um one of their songs was just on uh, Yellowstone this past weekend too. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, which is, now, just, which is just you know, Yellowstone as a TV show has just proven to be like the new tastemaker for like young outlaw country you know they yeah. like zach, zach Bryan had some songs on there shane smith and the saints had uh had some songs on there and 
pretty much any artist that's had music on there is has come back to Atlanta and like tripled their sales, which has just been, you know, so it's super exciting to see that the you know forty nine got a song on there. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, look I, again. I, I could we could we could we could go all day. I want to make sure we get to that question in in Pete Peterson's party pack of questions. So um, uh, we'll get right into that. Um, so. Pete Peterson's party pack of questions. So it's going to be 20 questions right in a row. It's this or that. And so we're going to flip through um, and it'll be really quick. So three, two, one, here we go. Cake or pie? Oh, uh, pie for sure. Powerade or Gatorade? Gatorade. Night in or night out? Night out. Would you rather hit a home run or score a touchdown? Oh, hit a home run, man. That's got to feel so good. Um, tenders or wings? Oh, we're going wings. Okay. Ranch or blue cheese? Ooh, ranch. Ranch. Toast or bagels? Man, there's such a hierarchy to both. But we're going bagels because there's a higher upside to bagels. <laughs> I like that. All right. When you walk into a party and your jam comes on, is are you doing the robot or are you doing the worm? Uh, we're doing the robot. I wish I could do the worm. I'm just not coordinated. Okay. Guacamole or queso? Doing guac. Guac. Sunrise or sunsets? Sunset. Okay. Coffee or tea? Definitely coffee. All right. IHOP or Wahoo? I know this is a dumb one, but. I know. I listen to Becca's. I listen to Girl Poppies, and she said something about IHOP. I'm like, what are you talking about, Becca? Like, those two, she was one of the first people I've heard, like, defend IHOP. I, I, I didn't know that there was a case uh that even ihop was anywhere close to to waffle house so you know stand dying on that hill okay waffle. i like it i like it aliens are they real uh yeah bigfoot Definitely. is he real I, I want him to be but probably not okay is love at first sight real uh yes okay chips or pretzels uh chips chips okay i like that acoustic or electric what sets do you like better? Ooh, I hate it when, uh, I don't know, stick in your lane, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we're going acoustic. I like, I'm an upright bass. I played upright bass growing up. I got to stick to my roots, you know? Love it. I love it. Dogs or cats? Uh, we're going cats. Cats. Oh, fries or tots? I think french fries honestly tots are great but i love love a good fresh cut french fry all right i like it all right and our final question of pete peterson's party fact questions of course are the bands that we need to check out we don't know this guy is the, could is the authority one of the one of the bigger authorities we've ever had i want to build up everything he says at this moment let's go kyle miller who are our bands we need to check out just give us two. Oh, two. all right um oh man all right we're going we're going toledo Toledo. New record that just came out. One of my favorite records of the year. Incredible record. Um, right out of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, other record, other band is this band called The Heavy Heavy. Okay. I like just got turned on to them a couple weeks ago. Their agent sent it over to me. I'd never heard it before and put it on and was just immediately floored by it. It's like this um, like British duo, male and female vocals. And it's like kind of like heady, retro soul music love that love that all right toledo and the heavy heavy those are kyle miller's two bands we need to check out uh that we might not know 
Um, Kyle, last question for you. Uh, not, not a part of Pete Peterson, of course, that he had conquered that dream billing. All right. You get three artists, oh. you know, finances is not a factor. Uh, the fact that they're alive or dead is not a factor. Oh, they are, no. they are playing at the Eastern. So who are we talking to? Man, I need like, I need the band, you know, bring Levon Helm back from the dead, throw them on. Okay. Um, man, am I, am the, I think you go Fleet Foxes from there. Man, that, I don't even know if that's right. And throw Talking Heads on there too. And that's, you know, that's dream come true. Wow. I need David Byrne and Levon Helm and Robin Pecknell all doing a super set encore at the end of the night. Wow. What a, what a combo. I love that. <laughs> I love that, man. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, this has been awesome and, and just so much insight into what goes on and into, you know, how we walk into a show every time, you know, what happens behind the scenes and, and the line of work that goes in. So we appreciate you shedding some light on that and, you know, look forward to, you know, any, any and all zero mile shows here in Atlanta. That is of course, terminal West. It is, the Eastern, it is Variety Playhouse. Am I missing any right there? Those all three of those major ones. Those are the big three. So if you were going to any of those shows, you are uh, seeing something that Kyle and his team have put on um, and so excited to uh, you know, share some more time with him. Hopefully we can have him back on again and, and we'll, 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 we'll update all the things that we've, we've talked about today. So uh, Kyle, appreciate yeah. you having on, brother. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Let's, uh, let's catch a show and grab a Grizz at Elmir sometime. Love that. I love that. 